0: Strawhut Media. On this show, we hear a lot of coming out stories. Most of our guests have one, whether it was a big deal or not. But where did the phrase come from? And why do we hear it so much more in conversations beyond the LGBTQ plus community? Today we're talking to author and researcher Abigail Sagi about the history of coming out, why so many groups gravitate towards that phrase, and what kind of an effect coming out has on society. I'm Levi Chambers, and this is Pride.
1: I'm Abigail Segui, I'm a professor of sociology with a courtesy appointment in gender studies at UCLA.
0: Her interest in social movements has persisted for a long time. Over the last 20 years, Abigail has been researching social sciences in a lot of different areas.
1: And my first foray was into the women's movement.
0: She started by comparing feminism in France and the United States. Then she published a book in 2003 that compared sexual harassment in the U.S. and France, called What is Sexual Harassment from Capitol Hill to Sorbonne? And from there, she got carried into more and more social movements.
1: I became interested in debates over body weight. and. Debates over the, the risks of obesity, but also the fat acceptance movement that I had never heard of before. And I, bec- I was very interested in this movement because I thought, gosh, what an uphill battle. There is so much discrimination and stigma against bigger bodies.
0: While she was doing interviews with activists within the fat acceptance movements, she noticed a familiar phrase.
1: So I would ask them, how did you get involved in fat acceptance activism? And they would say, well, I first came out as a fat person, at this time, in this place. And they would recount these coming out stories.
0: Abigail says at first, she was surprised to hear the term coming out in this context. What does it mean to come out as fat when body size is something that is hyper-visible?
1: A few years later, I went back to this question and I published a paper with Anna Ward on coming out as fat.
0: After publishing her paper, Abigail says her students started pointing out that there were a lot more groups using the phrase coming out.
1: The undocumented immigrant youth movement talks about coming out as undocumented and unafraid.
0: During the Me Too movement, victims of sexual assault and harassment were coming out as survivors. Even fundamentalist Mormons were coming out as polygamists.
1: I became interested in contemporary usages and the varied usages of this concept of coming out. And then that also caused me to want to go back and look at the origins um, and how this term coming out had also varied and had a very varied history within LGBT community and LGBTQ um, movements.
0: If you look at dictionary definitions for coming out, sexual orientation and gender identity are at the forefront.
1: So this is very closely connected with affirming and disclosing sexual orientation. But before it meant that, it had an earlier history.
0: So let's look at that history. The first time we see people within the gay community using the phrase coming out is in the 1930s in the United States.
1: People talked of coming out, but not coming out of the closet, They talked of coming out into society, coming out into gay society.
0: And that idea was directly borrowed from high society debutante balls. A debutante ball, also called a cotillion, is a formal party where young women were presented to society as adults. They actually still have them in some parts of wealthy America. It's a bit archaic, and they were mainly a way of marrying off women. But the parties were definitely glamorous. With beautiful dresses and choreographed dancing, it's not surprising that that idea appealed to the queer community.
1: There were these drag balls, also called pansy balls, where gay men would come out into gay society, have their coming out. Um, and they were very flamboyant and very um, festive, you know, joyous kind of affirmations.
0: If you remember part five of our Queer History series, we talked a bit about glorious New York City drag balls in the 1920s and 30s. It was that community that borrowed this idea of coming out and used it in their own context.
1: Even the term gay was also borrowed um, from, a, from a different very differently socially situated group of women. Uh, It originally came from female prostitutes who used gay as a kind of code to talk about themselves and, and other prostitutes, but among women who were catering to men.
0: While a big party accompanied coming out in the 1930s, the 40s and 50s brought in a much more repressive era. If you remember our episode about the gay agenda with Chelsea Weber-Smith in February, those years were frightening for the queer community, and it changed the way people defined coming out. It changed into revealing your status or sexual orientation to other people within the community.
1: So it would be the kind of thing you could do at a party in mixed company, you know, where there's people who are straight and, and LGBTQ, and you wanna just signal to, to others like you that you're part of the family, right? So they would use terms like, this is a member of the family, a friend of Mrs. King's. Um, and one of the terms they used was gay. And at the time, you could say this person is gay and a straight person overhearing would think that the person was happy, you know, cheerful, wouldn't know that this was, was code for um, for sexual orientation. At
0: this time, the focus of the community was secrecy and safety, not visibility.
1: And there was no kind of um, expectation in the fifties that that you should be coming out to to broader society, or that there was something noble or politically expedient about coming out. In fact, it would be pretty stupid, right? Because you would lose your job, be imprisoned. I mean, there were real um, negative consequences uh, in the 50s of of being publicly out as a gay person. Um, But people needed to find community, they needed to find, partners and so there was this um, there were various practices that allowed people to reveal very selectively their status to others
0: but then as more time went by the gay rights movement started to change that the word gay once a secret code became publicly known to indicate someone's sexual orientation
1: when you say my friend is gay today, most people will assume you're talking about their sexual orientation, not that they're a very cheerful person. But that wasn't the case in the 50s or even the early 60s.
0: As we move into the late 1960s, the idea of coming out started to take on a whole new form. Gay rights activists started to recognize it as a tool for fighting discrimination.
1: Because um, it's a lot easier to repress and oppress people who are nameless and, and faceless, people who you don't know, right? But when your friend, your coworker, your neighbor says to you, I'm a member of this group, you know, I'm gay, I'm lesbian, and you knew them before and you like them, and now you you know that someone that you know and like is part of this group, you are much less likely to go along with policies, bills, et cetera, that would take away rights from your friends and neighbors.
0: And that's the exact insight that Harvey Milk had in the
1: late 1970s. Most importantly, every gay person
0: must come out.
1: Come out to your friends, come out to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to, oh, but only to people who you know. He, this was the strategy. You must tell your relatives, you must tell your friends if indeed they are your friends.
0: As the first openly gay elected official in the history of California, he was a leader in the movement to defeat the Briggs Initiative in 1978, which would have banned gay men and women from working in California public schools.
1: And over time, it continued to be really important to challenge people's negative stereotypes because they, were, they had to come face-to-face with people in their community, people who they knew and liked, and say, wait, but wait a minute. I like you, and, you, and oh, and you're gay, huh? Well, so maybe then all of these stereotypes I have are, are, are wrong.
0: Every myth, every lie, every innuendo will be destroyed once and for all. And once, once you do, you will feel so much better. When we come back, outing as a political tool and other communities... Welcome back. Before the break, we talked about the origins of the phrase coming out and how the phrase gay changed from a secret code into a symbol of identity and power. As the gay rights movement grew throughout the 70s and beyond, activists started to see coming out as a powerful tool to affect real change.
1: And it meant that coming out became a political obligation. You had to come out. You had to come out to other people to be not just to be authentic, but to educate others and to break down the stereotypes and the lies
0: Later in the 80s and 90s, the idea of outing came into play, and it was a political tool in itself. The people who were outed were usually secretly gay men who were known in the gay community, but
1: who then went on to pass bills and laws that took away their rights. And people argued that those people deserved to be outed for their hypocrisy. Um, but others said, you know, that's not that's not right, that we, we should respect people's privacy.
0: It's a complicated topic, one that many of us will disagree on with equally valid arguments. But the beautiful thing that came along with the waves of coming out in the 70s, 80s, and 90s was pride. And parades.
1: There's singing, there's dancing, there's great costumes. It's funny, I was recently doing an interview with um, my colleague Juliet Williams. We're doing this other research on gender politics. And the person we spoke to said, you know, I'm more into LGBTQ Um, politics then into feminist politics. And we said, why? And and this person said, you know, because I really like a parade more than a march. (laughs) And, um, and I think, you know, I think that the LGBTQ movement got that right, right? I mean, there's serious demands and there's serious issues that require um, our attention, but they've also been able to infuse a lot of joy and celebration into these marches. Now, I should backtrack and say that, you know, the feminists, especially the 70s, get a bad rap and that there also was a lot of joy and, and irony and playfulness in those marches as well. Um, but maybe we can say the, the gay pride really takes that to a whole other level. They bring the glitter,
0: the confetti, the glitter, the
1: confetti, the speedos, like all of it. Like, what's not to like, right? The parade clothes, <laughs> exactly. So you know, it 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 is something that people can. It's hard to resist. There's a kind of contagious um, joy to to all of that celebration, and I think, you know, the the term pride too, is it's taking. It's taking um, shame and fear and transforming it into pride. And so it's really appealing to people on a very visceral, emotional level. And, um, and I think that's really, that's really powerful.
0: I hope it's clear now that coming out is a way of harnessing power. It's not surprising that other groups have borrowed the term for their own political and social movements. One group Abigail mentioned earlier is the Undocumented Immigrant Youth Movement.
1: And they've also learned... Um, and of course, you know, many of the leaders in that movement are also, also identify as queer. They, they call themselves queer, But they've learned from LGBTQ politics. And, you know, they've talk about coming out as undocumented and unafraid. And it's, again, an appeal to emotions. Because, of course, it's terrifying fearing that you might be deported or that your family might be deported. It's very difficult to come out. In that context. And the movement is providing a different emotion, a possibility of emotion. You, you can come out. You can be unafraid. And, um, and again, it's, it's been powerful in, in organizing that group as well.
0: Another group Abigail talks about in her books is the Me Too movement. She noticed that the Me Too movement not only shared the idea of coming out, but it also shared the idea of outing.
1: So the Me Too movement has used things like the Shitty Media Men's List, in which men who have been accused of sexual assault and rape are their names are put down on this list. And originally, it was just circulated among other women, right, to to, to as a kind of silent um, as a whisper network to inform and keep other women safe. But then it inadvertently begot. More public, and the same kinds of questions were raised. You know, is that right? Where's due process? Can we reveal the name of 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 someone um, in this case who is accused of engaging in you know in criminal behavior?
0: Another parallel Abigail noticed was women who come out about having an abortion.
1: I think the stats are that one in three women has or will have an abortion, and yet people are very closeted about that. They don't talk about it. And, um, and I think that is related to the fact that our attitudes about abortion and, and, and reproductive rights and reproductive justice have been so slow. And, and in fact, are, we're, we're seeing a backlash on, on that.
0: When people come out, whether it's about their gender identity, sexual orientation, or anything else, it's often pretty scary.
1: They're scared that they're going to be um, judged badly. They may also be scared for their safety um, with a lot of these issues.
0: But when we don't talk about these things, when we don't come out, it's so much easier for people to go along with negative stereotypes or even repressive policies.
1: And even to think of you know whole categories of people as subhuman because they're just not part of your Universe, and so I think that really is the the power of of coming out and sharing your experiences and letting people know that yes, they do know people in these groups and they do care about people in these groups, and so they should um, not, you know, they should also stand stand up and and protect their their rights and dignity.
0: We hear so many coming out stories. Some are easy, some are hard, and a lot are somewhere in the middle. Still, there are a lot of people who aren't out because they don't feel safe coming out, whether it's because of where they live or who they live with or even what they want to do. As a college professor, Abigail gets a lot of firsthand experience with coming out.
1: I just, before coming here for this interview, had a student knock on my door, um, ask, it's your office hours, right? Yes, 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 it's my office hours, and he came in and sat down and he said, you know, I just want to thank you for your class that I took a year ago because, you know, we we learned all these things and covered all these topics and it really helped me come out. So This is a college student at UCLA. And he said, you know, I think it would have taken me a lot longer if it hadn't been for that class. So, and he was still struggling and we talked for a while. He's still struggling with the implications and the consequences And, you know, what it meant for his own sense of self and his relationship with other people.
0: And coming out isn't something you do once. We hear from a lot of guests on this show about their levels of outness. Sometimes it has an order best friend, classmates, mom, dad, grandma, maybe even a culminating Instagram post. Some of our guests have chosen to skip the formality of coming out and instead just be out. And then, of course, once you're out, there are even more layers. Maybe you come out as bi, but not gay, or as gay, but not trans, as genderqueer, but not non-binary. And other times you might want to only come out to one or two people.
1: With my co-author, Laura Enriquez, we heard from undocumented immigrant. Youth, that this person was so important to me, that I just, they, I just needed them to know that I was undocumented. And so you'll share with that person because you, otherwise you don't feel authentic and you don't feel like your friendship is, is is real.
0: As a teacher,
1: Abigail says she's experienced a student coming out to her
0: simply because they needed help.
1: A student coming out to me, for instance, is, is transgender because um, they wanted to talk about the fact that their dead name was on the roster and didn't want it being passed around in a TA section.
0: And of course, people come out to show other people that they're not alone, to release their burdens and invite other people to release theirs too.
1: These are all individual choices people have to make. There is often a trade-off between what's good for the individual person and what's good for the broader society. Not always, because you know, coming out also can be A big relief, you know, not having to hide, not having to lie. But sometimes there's a cost.
0: Yes, sometimes there's a cost. But there are also huge benefits. Abigail pointed out the unexpected culmination of the Me Too movement when Harvey Weinstein was actually convicted of sexual assault and rape.
1: But the bravery of those women to come forward and to tell their stories when they knew that they were going to be grilled by the defense and just, you know accused of all sorts of things that is certainly a huge sacrifice for those individual women to make and yet it was six you know it was successful and it's in its sent a really strong message that um that maybe times are changing and that this kind of um abusive behavior will no longer be tolerated
0: Obviously, there is still a lot of work to do within all of these movements. Sexual assault, abortion, fat acceptance, immigrant rights, and LGBTQ plus rights. But if there's one thing we can learn from all of these different groups, it's that we have a lot more in common than we thought. Even when it doesn't appear that way on the surface.
1: I mean, the first person that I know of, I think the first person to, to talk about stigma and the way we think of it today was sociologist Irving Goffman. And Goffman said you know we're all stigmatized in some sense none of us are quote-unquote normal so then the term normal is in quotes and it's used to uh, Kaufman uses it to refer to people who without stigma none of us are without stigma. no we all we all have stigma and we're all afraid that we're gonna be found out or we're gonna be rejected because of it and so we're all engaging in some forms of passing and some um, forms of covering or, or um, diminishing you know, what makes us different in an undesirable ways and we all have the opportunity to come out I think the LGBTQ movement has really shown the example but I do think it's a universal experience and that we all can learn from it and have the experience of, of, of coming out and both in the personal level of being more authentically ourselves, but also in terms of educating people about, um, you know, about the diversity of, of people and that people's stereotypes and are, are, un, are often unfounded.
0: Abigail's new book on this topic is called Come Out, Come Out, Whoever You Are.
1: And it explores both the origins of coming out within LGBTQ community and also some of the ways, some of the ways, because it's infinite, but some of the ways that this Concept and, and of, of coming out and the politics of, of coming out have been harnessed by other groups in sometimes surprising ways. And it looks at how these groups, both the commonalities and the kind of universal human experiences of resisting stigma and organizing for more rights and more freedom, but also some of the unique or some of the differences across these experiences.
0: There are chapters on coming out in the LGBTQ plus community, coming out as a person of size, coming out as undocumented and unafraid, coming out in the Me Too movement, and even coming out as Mormon polygamists.
1: And that one's interesting because, um, you know, unlike some of the other groups, the Mormon fundamentalists are conservative. They're homophobic. So why are they using a term that's so associated with LGBTQ activism?
0: And all of these groups use a term borrowed directly from LGBTQ culture. Isn't it cool? The lasting power we hold when we organize together. Check out Abigail's book and visit her website.
1: Which is www.abigailsegui, all one word, dot com. And you'll find on my website lots of um, additional information and um, the, my other work and articles that are downloadable if they have trouble finding if you if you have trouble finding any of these things and there's other things you want to read that you're you're encountering a paywall you can email me and i'd be happy to send you a copy
0: Pride is a production of Straw Hut Media. If you like the show, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're tuning in from. Share us with your friends, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Pride. You can follow me at Levi Chambers. Pride is produced by me, Levi Chambers, Maggie Bowles, and Ryan Tillotson, edited by Sebastian Alcala. Please stay safe, stay healthy, stay home, and listen to podcasts. Ryan, do you want to come out as anything? Not today. Okay, but if you do, I'll let her know.
1: Excellent.